Hey, I'm Kate Otten, tight end at the University of Washington, and you're listening to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 57 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your lone host today, Charles Hamaker, as Bennett and Omari are not able to join due to some time constraints on my end, but uh, today we're recording We're I'm recording on Monday, I mean Tuesday, pardon me. Um, there's a good amount of news to get through. Um, so I'm just going to do that and we should have uh, everybody, uh, on next week, but you know, uh, at the end of the day, I'm just going to have to do it myself sometimes. So that's all right. Uh, let's get into it in Seattle Seahawks news and free agency. Uh, the Seahawks were reportedly in good talks with Quentin Dunbar. Um, as according to Dunbar on Instagram, he replied to several comments saying he had good talks, uh, and that they want me back. I love it there. Uh, but actually last night on Monday, the 5th. Dunbar signed with the Detroit Lions, so that's obviously not going to happen. Um, so, you know, best of luck to Dunbar. Obviously had a, a difficult season uh, last year just because of not being able to stay healthy. Um, I would have liked to see him back on, like, a minimum deal type thing. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I feel like – Seattle might be looking at someone else and the veteran cornerback uh, market. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a big loss to not have him back just because I guess his knee injury is something that's just been reoccurring for years. So, you know, that's, that's always going to be something that's going to put a wrench into things uh, with Dunbar and, and especially a contract. So, um, and in continuing, uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell expected that the league is going to have to prepare for stadiums to be fully open this upcoming season. I'm not exactly sure if we'll see season, uh, any of the stadiums fully open. I mean, maybe in Texas, just because they do some dumb things in that state, like yesterday with the Rangers having their stadium in full capacity. Um but you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's realistic. I really don't think that'll happen here in Seattle. Um, but you know, it's never necessarily bad to be optimistic. It's I just rather hope that they plan this out better. Um, NFL teams approved a 17-game schedule, and with that being said, the Seahawks will play the Steelers on the road this year. Uh, the preseason is also reduced to three games. Teams will have an international game once every eight years. So that means that uh, it's no longer just, you know, certain teams will be playing in these international games. Um, it seems that Seattle will have an international game once every eight years. So, you know, we'll see that obviously they played a few years ago um, in London uh, versus the Raiders and won that game. So as speaking about the Raiders, um, as part of the trade with the Raiders, the Seahawks reworked Gabe's, Gabe Jackson's deal to extend him to a three-year 22.575 deal through the 2023 season. So, that you know, big piece of the O-line now, newer piece, uh, getting extended. Um, extension, obviously, hopefully clearing up cap space um, for the team. Uh, likewise, with this other extension, the Seahawks extended wide receiver Tyler Lockett to a four-year $69.2 million deal, uh, $37 million of it is guaranteed. Uh, these are two big extensions uh, for, obviously, Tyler Locke is a guy that on this pod we've been talking about for a bit that needed to be extended, um, but glad to actually see it happen. I know there were p- 
people that wanted to see him traded, which is stupid. You know, uh, it it seems like a lot of fans when they saw that you know guys like Lockett had their contract expiring uh, or Dunlap, uh, you know, they thought the best idea was just to jettison them away rather than extend them. I was like, if you extend them and keep around for a few more years at minimum uh, and push the money around a little bit, you can make cap space. You don't have to just be dramatic about it and uh, just get rid of the guy entirely. So good to see uh, Tyler Lockett extended and lock up Gabe Jackson for a longer amount of time. And hopefully, you know, his time with the team pans out, you know, cause not all trades always work, but you know, We'll be optimistic about it. Uh, the all-virtual offseason is unlikely for this year. Uh, players were pushing for a virtual offseason, uh, but that is highly unlikely as uh, NFL owners want to get back to uh, in-person uh, offseason uh, protocols like OTAs and such. So I don't think we'll be seeing another Zoom offseason, uh, but you know we are not technically at that point yet. So things could change. The NFL has plans to eliminate some restrictions from current COVID protocols for those players, coaches, and personnel who are vaccinated. So that is cool to see Um, some encouragement there to get vaccinated. Please go do so. And then on some details for the Jerron Reed exit, uh, Seattle was going to pay Reed $8 million. They just wanted to add some dummy years to just defer his cap cost and just, you know, take some cap number off the books. Uh, Jerry did not want to sign off on that. So now he'll only make $5 million uh, and will still be a free agent in 2022, which is the same as if he would have agreed to the arrangement that Seattle proposed. Obviously he gets to play alongside, uh, you know, defensive tackle, Chris Jones and former teammate Frank Clark on the chiefs and play with the chiefs, you know, but it's an interesting um, situation with how that all went down with Reed tweeting about it before it actually became official um i don't know i uh interesting situation certainly you know but at the end of the day it's his career and his situation so you know it's up to him ultimately um getting into our seattle mariners who are now fully into the regular season completing uh the home series and then by the time that i'm recording this uh First game of the White Sox series has been played. Let's get into it. The April 1st opening game versus the San Francisco Giants. The team won 8-7 to seven in 10 innings. Uh, play of the game for me was Dylan Moore with one hit, one run, three RBIs, and a walk. Uh, co-player of the game was Jake Fraley, uh, who had the walk-off walk and three walks total in that game. Um, certainly not something I thought i'd say ever but you know walk off walk and three walks total but you know that if, if you can get on base you get on base um and if you can win the game in that fashion you take it um april 2nd versus the giants the team would lose six to three uh player of the game was yusei kikuchi he had six innings pitched three earned runs and 10 k's um he showed great velocity and confidence in this game which you know is a good sign but there's still work to be done obviously uh, but overall, it was a good sign uh, for, for Yusei um, to show some uh, improved velocity and some, some confidence in his pitching ability. Um, April 3rd versus the Giants in the last game of the rubber, the wall, well, the rubber match of the series. Uh, the team won against the Giants 4 to nothing. Player of the game was Chris Flexen, uh, 
who Bennett doubts quite often, um, who had five innings pitched, zero earned runs, six Ks, and two walks. Um, so a good adding for Flexen, uh, who will be mentioned in a second here. But April 5th versus the Chicago White Sox in the first game of the series versus the Sox, uh, the team lost six to nothing. Uh, no player of the game there, just overall kind of a hard game to go through. I mean, the team got three hits, uh, didn't produce any runs. So, you know, Ch- Chicago's a good team. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's any slouch, but you, you'd like to not get shut out. So um, my player of the week this week, this is a new thing we're doing. Uh, player of the week, uh, just to cover the last slate of games over the week that the pod had, you know, between episodes. Uh, mine was Mitch Hanniger, who boasted a – one second. I have to make sure this is updated uh, just because now that I'm recording on Tuesday – I have to, uh, you know, make sure that the stats are updated. Uh, Mitch Hanniger had a three-five-three average, uh, one home run, who tied for leading the team. Um, three runs, six hits, two doubles. I mean, pardon me, three doubles, uh, one RBI, uh, only five strikeouts, which is good, you know. Three-five-three uh, OPB, BP, point zero seven six slugging, uh, and a one point zero five nine OPS. So Mitch has had a good year so far. Obviously, it's early, but a nice start for him, uh, obviously coming back from not playing uh, in the regular season since June 2019. Um, and then Bennett wasn't exactly clear just because I had to communicate through it to them uh, over text about it. Um, but he said he wanted to – he had to swallow his pride for this um, – so I'm assuming it was Chris Flexen who did have the uh, really good outing, the shutout outing um, against the Giants on the third. Um, it, it's not a bad – wait, on the third? Yes. You know, it's not a bad thing. But uh, hopefully Flexen pans out. He's only like 26. Um, so for him to pan out would be a good thing. Um, injury-related news, Kyle Lewis was placed on the 10-day injury list on Wednesday due to a bone bruise in his right knee. Uh, just last night on Monday, he was able to get in the batting cage. So that's a good sign to see Kyle returning to action. Um, in other MLB and team-related news, uh, Commissioner Robert Manfred eyed full bull- bullparks, ballparks uh, this summer. He hopes that all ballparks can be at full capacity by midsummer. I doubt that highly. Um, you know, I don't know. It's all money. Um I'm sure they want to get back to making the revenue that they did. But at the same time, I'm hoping that some of these leagues and these commissioners are a little bit realistic in terms of being safe about things. Cause that Texas Rangers game can only be a super spreader, you know, I mean, they were mandating masks apparently at that game. And I can tell you there were like maybe 5% of the people wearing masks. Um, so, you know, I'd like to obviously it would be nice to see full uh full stadiums again but obviously under the right situation and circumstance um and not trying to force things just to you know for whatever reason or justification that you have for it you know you got to do things the right way um and not doing so could you know obviously kill people and just be really harmful um 
to the momentum that we have uh, going against this pandemic. So, you know, um, so the opening night roster for the Mariners included uh, for catchers, Tom Murphy and Luis Torrens in the infield, JP Crawford, Ty France, Dylan Moore, Kyle Seeger, and Evan White in the outfield, Jake Fraley, Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Lewis, and Taylor Trammell uh, for infield and outfield players. I can kind of switch and be versatile. It was Sam Haggerty and Jose Amar Maleos. Starting pitchers would be Justin Dunn, Chris Flexen, Marco Gonzalez, Yusei Kikuchi, James Paxton, and Justice Sheffield. Uh, in relief, it would be Kendall Graveman, Nick Margavishis, Keenan Middleton, Anthony Mashevitz, Rafael Montero, Casey Sadler, Drew Steckenrider, and Will Vest. Um, and the last piece of news uh, for the MLB, the MLB moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta. The decision was made in response to the state of Georgia's new voting rights laws. Uh, in a statement, the Braves stated that they were deeply disappointed um, and just announced last night on Monday that uh, the MLB would be moving the All-Star game to Coors Field in Colorado, the home of the Rockies. So, new situation. Um, I mean, it, it is a good uh, decision by the MLB considering um, what's going on in Georgia with those voting laws. Uh, just ridiculous. So, you know. Um, good on the MLB. Um, obviously, there's been some backlash about it uh, from certain people, like Texas's governor. But who cares what he has to say? Quite honestly. Um, so, if we get any All Stars this year, they will be headed to Coors Field in Colorado. But that is obviously to be seen, as we are a series and a game into the season already. So. There's still a lot to be done. Obviously, the 2019 Mariners started off really hot um, and then cooled down. So, you know, um, with an all-star and Dan Vogel back. So we'll see. Um, the upcoming schedule for the next few games is April 6th versus the Chicago White Sox, uh, April 7th versus the Chicago White Sox, and the team will go on the road to play the Minnesota Twins uh, for the, mid- the Twins' home opener. They will take a game off a day off and then play the twins uh, on the road, uh, the 10th and 11th. And then they will play the Baltimore Orioles on the 12th in Baltimore. So they will wrap up the White Sox series and then they will go on to play um, over uh, Northeast. Um, And then here is our weekly ad slot for Homs Seattle. Homs has your back in a loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. A big thank you to Homs uh, and Race Porter uh, for their partnership. Uh, Seattle Sounders news, the MLS is implementing a new change in an effort to further improve player safety. A new rule allows teams to make con- two concussion substitutions. So, the, you know, something that's good there, um, just considering how dangerous concussions are, and as well as, you know, any sort of uh, head-related injury. Uh, good to see that being adopted. Um, in Seattle Storm News, point guard Jordan Canada said that she suffered an ankle injury overseas that she is still healing from. She is not quite 100%, but getting closer. She won't be returning to any overseas games. Uh, so she'll work with Team USA and then prepare for Seattle Storm training camp after that. And then in less, less uh, I guess, high-stakes news, Micaiah Herbert Harrigan, newly acquired player, got a partnership with Crocs. That's very cool. Um and then a big date to note uh, for the Storm is that the WNBA draft is on April 15th. 
starting at 4 p.m. Pacific time. So uh, I do have a draft preview coming out. I think I'll push that out on. Uh, I think I'll push it out on Thursday, just to you know give a day between this episode, um, and uh, and 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 draft uh, outlook. So. Um, in Seattle Kraken news, the Kraken are scheduled to pay off the final installment of their $650 million expansion fee this month. Uh, once that final payment is made, the club can then begin to sign undrafted free agents. Some big, uh, some big moments coming up. Obviously, we're still some months out before the expansion draft, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, the uh, the team will begin to sort of take some shape. And we'll start to see some more progress. Uh, so exciting to see that. Uh, the OL Reign. Uh, midfielder Jessica Fishlock will return to the team from being on loan with Reading FC women this upcoming week after playing her last game with the club uh, last week. Um, and then five players were named to the national team rosters for April FIFA window. Uh, Nicole Mamiki for Japan. Quinn of Canada. Jessica Fishlock of Wales. Karen Bardsley for England, and then Megan Rapino of the USA. The NS- NWSL will also implement the two concussion substitution protocol like the MLS is uh, that I stated a little bit ago. And then the team announced the 28-player roster ahead of the Challenge Cup uh, first game on the 16th of April. Uh, goalkeepers, there are three goalkeepers on the roster, Karen Bardsley, Ella Dederick, um, and Cosette Morche. Uh, it's a really talented goalkeeper room, and I'm really interested to see how that sort of sorts itself out. Uh, defenders, Lauren Barnes, Amber Brooks, Celia, Steph Cox, uh, Michaela George, Madison Hammond, Sam Hyatt, and Kristen McNabb. There's a good back line there. Um, kind of ex- it's interesting to see how the defense sort of uh, sorts itself out. Uh, Amber Brooks is been around for a decent amount of time in the WSL and she's got that experience obviously being overseas as well uh, with Byron. Uh, so she'll be a s- solid at right center back, I'm assuming. Um, but obviously Lou Barnes has also been with this club for a decent amount of time too. And she's sort of like the consummate rain player. I'm hoping I used that word correctly. It popped into my mind. High, dis- high, well, as an adjective, high degree of skill and flair. She's she's like the the staple right now, um, for the rain. Uh, she's just been part of this organization for a good amount of time. Um, so you know, interesting to see how that uh, defense works itself out. In the midfield, Angelina Shirley Cruz, who is an international slot player. Jess Fishlock, Kelsey Hedge, Jenna Holtz, who is a national team replacement player, Allie Long, Kristen McNabb, Quinn, who is allocated currently for international duty, Danny Weatherholt, and Rosie White. Uh, forwards, Bethany Balser, Sophia Huerta, Zaria King, Nicole Mamiki, Miranda Nild, who is currently on loan in Sweden. Oops, excuse me, Sweden. Leah Pruitt, Megan Rapino, who is currently allocated on international duty, and Jasmine Spencer, as well as Ali, White, Ali Watt, who is season-ending injury list. Um, and then a new kit for the rain will be revealed the week of the first Challenge Cup match, which is on April 16th, like I said. Um, so let's just get into, oopsie, ouch, the schedule uh, for that Challenge Cup 
April 16th, they will play at home versus the Houston Dash. April 21st, they will go down to Portland and play the Thorns. April 27th, they will play the Chicago Red Stars at home in Shaney Stadium. And then May 3rd, they will play at Kansas City NWSL. Um, so those are dates to remember. It seems like, you know, this upcoming week, there's going to be a lot of things to look at for a bunch of teams um, on the 15th and 16th here, and especially later in the month as well with uh, – there's, there's the NBA, WNBA draft and the NFL draft, and then the Challenge Cup is starting for the rain, um, and the Sounders are getting through their preseason. So, you know, April's kind of the month we're kind of getting back into some things. Uh, no Sonics news this week. No Dragons news this week. Um, some colleges in general, 69% of athletic directors would strongly oppose a requirement to give athletes a share of sports revenue. Not a surprise. I mean, the NCAA kind of just sits on their money and they don't obviously want to share it with anybody. Um, so is that a surprise? No. Um, no men's basketball news. In uh, women's basketball, the team added Marisa Davis Jones as a commit. She is a six-one power forward, four-star recruit. So that's good to see. Um, there's two pieces of news for the women's team here, and they're both should should uh, impact the women's team in a positive note, because the other note uh, is that the team named Tina Langley to be the head women's basketball coach. She previously served as the head coach at Rice University for the last six seasons. Uh, in a statement, Director of Athletics Jennifer Cohen stated that Tina stood out as an ideal leader for this program. Her commitment to the development of students both on and off the court, combined with her vision for bringing the program back to competing for championships, made her a perfect fit for our culture. Um, her career as a head coach at Rice consisted of winning a percentage of 0.674% of the games, 126 and 61 record which is the best in program history at Rice. Um, and she won Conference USA Coach of the Year honors in 2018-2019 season. They recently, the Rice Owls last year won the two, well, not last year, technically this year, the 2020-2021 WNIT tournament. So they won the whole tournament, which is pretty good. Um, so hopefully, you know, this uh, Tina Langley can help bring this program back to the success it's seen uh, under coach Mark neighbors a few years ago. Um, but it, it's exciting because I mean, I've been saying it the past few weeks that the team has been looking for um, someone else to put into the head coach position. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a good hire. I think that'll be a good hire. Uh, baseball news. The team, played number 10 UCLA in their last series. Uh, the first, they won uh, eight to six. First baseman, Will Simpson was the player of the game with two hits, uh, which included a home run, one run, three RBIs, and one walk. Uh, Co-player of the game was pitcher Logan Gerling, going seven innings with only one earned run and four strikeouts. April 2nd versus UCLA, they won seven to six. Uh, first baseman, Will Simpson was again the player of the game with three hits and a run. April 3rd, uh, versus UCLA, they would drop the game two to thirteen, um, but they would win the series versus number ten UCLA. So that's pretty impressive. Um, is a team that's generally pretty uh, struggled. I mean, the record is not ten and fourteen. They're by no means a powerhouse right now, um, but for them to play, you know, that obviously conference opponent that's ranked number ten, um, that's pretty impressive. 
So, you know, good on them. They get the uh, participation uh, gold star of the week. Um, should I? No, yeah. They get the participation gold star of the week. So, you know, winning the series versus U, uh, number 10 UCLA, you know, they can give themselves a good pat on the back. Um, they're still technically ranked 12th in the Pac-12 um, for baseball with a 10-14 and 14 record. They will play versus Arizona, Ona's at, hey, Arizona State at home the next three games on the 9th, 10th, and 11th. Um, Arizona State's not ranked. So we'll see how that game goes, well, that series goes. Um, hopefully there's some momentum to build off of for the baseball team there. Softball, the team played Cal in four games from the 1st to 3rd of April. Uh, in the first game on the 1st, they beat Cal 8 to nothing in five innings. Played the game was second base, Bailey Klingler with two hits, including a home run, two runs, and three RBIs. Co-player of the game was pitcher Gabby Plain with four innings pitch, two play, uh, four innings pitch, two hits allowed, zero earned runs, and five strikeouts. April 2nd versus Cal, they won 8-4. to four. Pitch, uh, Play of the game was second base, Bailey Klingler with a hit, three runs, two RBIs, and three walks. Um, in the second game on that day, they would win 6-3. to three. Play of the game was left fielder Sammy Reynolds with two hits, one run, one RBI, and one walk. April 3rd versus Cal, they would win 5-1 to one to wrap up the sweep. Uh, and then Player of the game for that game was shortstop Sis Bates with two hits, one run, RBI, and one walk. They get the gold star of the week. It's kind of hard to not pick these this group of women every week. But, I mean, if they keep winning, you know, it's hard to not do so. The national ranking for the team is sixth. The team record is 28-4, and four, and their Pac-12 record is currently third. Um, they will look to work on that Pac-12 standing as they will take on Oregon State in four games from the 9th to 10th, um, playing two games on the 10th there. So they'll head down to Corvallis um, to play the Lady Beavers um, and hopefully just continue to work on that Pac-12 ranking because, I don't know, it just kind of bothers me that they, uh, they're they ranked third in the Pac-12. Um, but obviously the Pac-12 has some solid teams uh, for softball. So getting into men's soccer, uh, April 3rd versus Cal, they would win 2-1. to one. Player of the game would be Dylan Tevez with two shots on goal and the goal. Um, the team has a, has a record of 9-2. and two. Um, They're currently ranked nationally at 4, and their Pac-12 ranking is 2nd. They will play on the 8th versus UCLA at home. Um, Husky soccer is doing some pretty good things. They've, they've been pretty good. Uh, both the men's and the women's team, and we will get to the women's team here. As uh, I say that, but the team didn't. The women's team didn't have the best week. Um, April second at USC, they would lose zero to five. Player of the game would be Sand Trombone. I would include a Sand Trombone sound effect here, but I'm kind of running on steam. April fourth at number five UCLA, they would lose zero to one. So the team record currently is seven, three, and two. Their national ranking is twenty second, so they're still ranked. Their Pac twelve rank is fourth, and they will play April 9th versus Oregon, and then April eleventh versus Oregon State. Uh, I mean, they're still ranked, so it's you know you can't harp on the team, and they they did have some pretty solid weeks, um, the past few weeks, but um, uh oh, my notes just went down. Uh oh. Um. Um. Hmm. I will see if I can pull them up. 
I'm trying to gonna try to remember them just off the top of my head. Going into the UW volleyball team, the team played Cal um, in their past few games. Here we go. Oh no. Shoot. Okay. I apologize. My notes, quite literally, uh, OneDrive just went down. Um, it says that something went wrong with our servers. We're going to try and refresh the page, but otherwise I'm just going to have to hit a volleyball. Um, well, the team beat Cal in their last two games of the season, uh, winning the Pac-12 with a 17-3 and record, which is their first title since 2016 and sixth all-time. Um, the Huskies will go into the volleyball tournament uh, in the NCAA with the number six national seed, um, which was announced um, yesterday, actually. Um, no, actually on Sunday. I lied. Pardon me. Um, <laughs> trying to find this. I apologize deeply. I don't know why OneDrive just wanted to completely fail me today. Mm. There's one piece of information that I'm looking for. Well, um, that piece of information was that the, the team had made the tournament for like 16 straight years, uh, which is the, I think the longest active uh, streak in the PAC 12. Um, so the UW volleyball team is again, they're one of the programs um, at UW that's consistent, consistently been great. Um, and they will bring in that number six seed and they will play the winner of Townsend versus Dayton um, on April 15th. So again, April 15th is showing up again on the calendar for Seattle sports. Um, but that's it. Again, I apologize for having one drive go down. It's still not working. So I had to rely on my memory there, which is not always the best. Uh, but regardless, that has been the week in Seattle sports news. Um, another interview will be coming up on Friday. Um, Seattle storm draft preview will be coming up on Thursday. So some things to look forward to uh, more Mariners games. Uh, Sanders are coming up. Storm draft is coming up and pre uh, training camp for them. OL rain preseason is coming up here with the challenge cup. Um, so it's, 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 it's we're, we're getting back to some things. We're certainly getting back to some things. So I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, I want to say thank you on behalf um, of Omari and Bennett. And we should all see you back uh, for the next episode, which will be episode 59 um, on Tuesday the 13th. So thank you very much, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Baba Bowie.